Welcome to Food and Loathing, your weekly discussion of what makes Las Vegas so delicious. And no, it is not the freshly laid asphalt. Vroom, vroom, vroom. It is everywhere these oh, days, man. though. Man. I, th- I was wondering if they're going to do the, the the Formula One race here on Durango, given all the backups and all the stuff there on Durango. I think they should just repave the entire valley since F1 is here. Like, yeah. You know, we'll yeah. all just stay home for a week, repave everything. Not How just the that? streets, all the houses, everything. Oh, everything. Just paved, yeah. pave it right over, yes. Okay. Hey, I'm your host, Al Mancini, a man who has spent over 20 years reporting on the Las Vegas restaurant scene and the creator of the Neon Feast Restaurant Guide app and website. That's the only dining guide to focus exclusively on restaurants that are recommended by local chefs, restaurant owners, critics, journalists, and influencers. I know it sounds like a lot of people, but it's actually a lot fewer people than you're going to come across on those other restaurant recommendations. Oh, thank God. And my people know something. (laughs) Oh, our coast, Samantha Gemini Stevens, is unable to join us for this episode, but we are sending her much love. We miss her, and um, we cannot wait for her to be back next week. Yet we are going to valiantly carry on in her absence. And luckily, the man who harnesses the cacophony of all of our individual parts to create the audio symphony you hear in those earbuds... Engineer extraordinaire, the one and only Mr. Rich Johnson is with me today, working his audio magic and probably weighing in on junk food if I know him. And trying to uh, up my valiant game, I guess. You're valiant? Well, I'm valiantly Valiantly carrying carrying on. on. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen that movie, Valiant, about the first Golden Knights season? No, but I uh, used to read the Prince Valiant comic book in the Sunday papers. Oh, did you have hair like his? Uh, Yeah, no. He had good hair, I believe. Yeah. (laughs) I've never had good hair. Thank you very much for reminding me. Uh, We are coming to you this entire episode from Amari in the Uncommons Project on Durango Drive near the 215. I should say at the 215 because seriously, if you are coming to um, the Uncommons, whether you're here for... um, for, for the sundry or for Amari where we are or for just to watch live music out there. Here's my little hint. Pretend like if this is if you're coming down to Rango and you're heading south, pretend like you're actually going to get on the 215 there. Make that left hand turn, go down that, that service road. And then there's an entrance to Uncommons right there on yes. your right, which will help you avoid the shit show of traffic that is happening in this area, yeah. at least until um, till they finish opening. I the, believe uh, that would be Roy Horn Way. Roy Horn Take Way. Take a left on Roy right. Horn and then yes. an immediate right into the complex. I did not. I went to Durango and I, I actually made an illegal left, although there's all those lanes that were all fixed up. And there's no equipment, nothing, just a lot of barriers and sweepers, I guess. I mean, look, it was awful. I live in this neighborhood. Traffic's been a nightmare for a little while, but it all is for good reason. It's because they've been building on commons. They've been building the Durango Resort across the street. They are now building the Bend, which is diagonal from where we are, and that's going to be great. And all these places have great food. So um, it's worth putting up with the traffic, but use that Roy Horn way if you're looking for a way to um, get in here through the back. Um, we are going to be joined later in the show by Chef Brent Stanford, who will also be bringing out some food, I think, which yeah. will be fun. Um, and um, yeah, so we're, we're excited for that. But before we get to any of that or any of our regular features, I do have some overdue business to take care of. This normally would have run in last week's show, but man, Jim and I were having so much fun at Vegas Unstripped and we recorded so much material that we had to drop everything else last week. So um, we have this material just under two weeks ago, Bellagio held a 
huge culinary weekend to celebrate the resort's 25th anniversary. It was a big ticket event with a lot of expensive VIP meals and some of the biggest sh- chefs in that building. <laughs> you want the shit chefs? No, some of the biggest <laughs> chefs. It's just chefity chef chef, y'all. Yes. Um, in that building. They all came out. So I was lucky enough to get some time with three of the chefs who have been at Bellagio since day one. Whoa. And the interviews were so good that I want to share them pretty close to in their entirety. So I'm going to start this week's show with those three interviews. First up, I have Jean-Georges Van Gerichten, the famed French chef who shocked a lot of people when it was announced he would be opening a steakhouse in the resort. So it seems only fitting that this interview and all three of today's interviews from Bellagio were recorded inside of that steakhouse, which of course is prime steak. Here's Mr. Jean-Georges. 25 years ago, the idea of John George Vongerichten doing a steakhouse in Bellagio surprised a lot of people, yeah. mostly because they didn't expect you in Vegas, but also because they didn't expect you doing a steakhouse. Yeah, it was kind of a, a little shocking for uh, <laughs> for my colleagues and uh, everybody that I chose a steakhouse, but I thought it was a, a great venue. And then, uh, on a, you know, at the time, I think Vegas was a bit different, so I chose the uh, versus the meat. Oh, that, there were two choices. The fish restaurant that uh, that uh, he took, and then uh, here, on uh, I choose the steak. Cause I thought, you know, at the time, the, I thought people were not. They come to Vegas to steakhouse was always very popular. Mm-hmm. I enjoy my steak as well. I don't need that much meat, but uh, you know, uh, meat on potato was always great. And then, and then I consulted my uh, my dear friend who passed away, Kerry Simon, who was amazing. Uh, we miss him, but he was uh, he's the one who made this place happen for us. You yeah, know. Kerry Simon. Was he the, moved here. He was uh, he was the for the first ten years of Prime was the uh, was the man in charge. You know? Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I'm in, but he had another pretty famous chef on his line, wasn't Wiley Dufresne in this restaurant? So the first restaurant that uh, it was just after we opened Jean Georges a couple of years after we uh, Wiley was uh, one of my chefs at New York, and uh, we he came here for the yeah. first six months of his uh, his life. On, he was losing sleep every day. On, <laughs> was he on, in Prime here? He was in Prime. He was a chef de cuisine at Prime. Uh, under Kerry Simon, who was more like my partner at the time. And then, uh, you know, had a great team, a great team of people. And uh, we, you know, we came every every month, every other week. And but while he stays here for, for six months before he opened his own restaurant, wow. he had a little time to spare. Be, <laughs> while he was building with his dad, uh, WD fifty, he. Uh, he was here, our first chef, so very lucky to have uh, all those young talents around me to help me to put this on the ground. And I think Prime is, an, is iconic now in uh, Vegas, as well as the Bellagio. It's part of the Bellagio, I feel, on to be here 25 years. And like I explained before, we started, you know, in 25 years, we, we tripled the business. Right. So wow. it's pretty amazing. So I know. Las Vegas, steakhouses are almost a dime a dozen in Las Vegas. Yes. And good steakhouses are almost a dime a dozen. There are probably steakhouses in every resort that may be top five steakhouse in every other city in the world. But here, they have to struggle to get attention. How does Prime manage to continue to differentiate itself from the other steakhouses in Las Vegas and to be one of the best in Las Vegas? I think it's about the people as well. Like I said, I told the TV earlier. I think to uh, to be uh, to have the staff to be with us, forty-five, maybe fifty percent in the kitchen, eighty percent from the house. I think people make a restaurant, not just uh, the food, but 
and you show them the quality, they continue to buy the best in class. On, I think what's different in this steakhouse is not just, like I said earlier, medium potato, but all the appetizers are from the best that we have in New York. We're constantly creating new dishes that I think you, you find appetizer here, you wouldn't find in any places, from a piece of saute foie gras to a, you know, to a, a crudo, to a something that we, we develop in New York that we send here or some chef here who are developing the recipe too. So presenting the beautiful seafood plateau to have the appetizer who, are, who have nothing to do with the house. Yeah, we have a, a Caesar salad, but I would say 90% of our appetizers are really Jean-Georges signature. Yeah. And then you have the main course who are a little more simple. Steaks, best meat we can find, different sauces, different garnishes on. It's just... It's all entire ensemble. I think it's the food, the quality of the ingredients, a decor that doesn't exist. I think in a, you know, who steakhouse has a Liechtenstein behind you, a Raphael on here, on well, we had a, the, the Nero, but they moved it somewhere else. So between the art, the 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 look of it, the fontaine, I mean, it's a magical place, a magical place. The look of it is worth mentioning because steakhouses tend to be very masculine rooms. That's they're right. very boys' night out. They're very bachelor party. They're not a place where you would go on an anniversary. But this is a restaurant that you would go on an anniversary to pop the question. It feels romantic, <laughs> you know. Yes, everything. Yeah. I mean, Michael DeSantis, who designed the, the restaurant when we got involved, he was already on board with the, with Steve Wynn. On the, he passed away a couple of months after the, the opening, which is so sad. But uh, he never did a restaurant in his life. Oh. Only apartments or residential. So that was his first actual restaurant ever designed by a, so it feels very residential it feels like an apartment it feels like a you know you could live here yeah a little bit you know so it's a it was very magical to to mix the the brown baby blue the brown the you know it's masculine but it's very feminine as well it's very like you say it's a, as a very celebratory yeah or it could be a, for a deal or it could be for any kind well, of location I, I feel you could do a business deal here you could go on a date here, you could have a bachelor party here, you could do just about anything here, and of course one of the best views in Las Vegas. Does that ever get old, looking at those um, Bellagio fountains? Of course not, of course not. I'm always looking for it, and I always take a video. I always uh, send picture to my friends and uh, family to about uh, those fountains, you know. I'm now too, so excited about F1 as well, and Super Bowl, I mean, this is all Vegas, uh, you know, memory. I mean, the memories of Vegas are incredible. I also had the chance to speak with Chef Julian Serrano. You know him from his Spanish restaurant in Aria. He also has two restaurants in Bellagio, the Italian restaurant Lago, and the French-slash-Spanish fine dining jewel Picasso. That's the one that was there since day one, and that's what we spoke about. How does it feel, 25 years? They feel incredible uh, good in some ways, and it's hard to believe they've been here 25 years because... The truth is, when I moved in here, I was a little depressed for six months. You know, there was a new city, new place, huge place. I have a small restaurant in San Francisco, and there there was a big place. And I don't know how long, I don't put my, my time, how long I'm going to be here. I mean, they really after looking back to be here 25 years, I never thought that I would be here. I mean, I feel good uh, for myself to hang out in one place that I really like it to be, uh, to be here. I mean, I feel very happy. It's incredible. I never thought that I want to be here 25 years. 
you once told me, I think maybe for the 20 year anniversary, you told me about what it was like on that opening night. That's not 25 years ago. Could you tell me some stories about, or, or a little bit about what it was like as the people were lining up to come in and you were getting ready to open? The, the open night there was, we already have mm-hmm. a double depression to, to, to build an app to open, to open, you know, you know, have this, you know, have that, you this, you that. But there's the time, the open night. Uh, you look in the street and there's 250,000 people there. Wow. You really recognize this is big. <laughs> we better be ready. We better be ready. And the first night we opened the restaurant very soft. I think that Steve with his friend is here, a couple more tables. The know was very difficult the first night, but it was great to open to open because you waited for two months, two months, open, open, you know, in this period of two months, there's a lot of things coming along, something that coming along, and you, you anger to open to see how they're going to develop and the open, how the restaurant open has been. There was finally open, there was good feeling, everything coming along, and, and in some ways there was easy. Well, it was easy to, to open, to open because we did something they, they know how to do it. Uh, I have a good, lucky that I have a very good uh, crew in the front and the back. It's mean uh, they open and continue. The problem, there was context. Context, there was like electronic convention now, there mm-hmm. was in November. Oh, nice. We was open like uh, three weeks and we don't have any clue whether there was context. 200,000 people, restaurant sold out every single day, people everywhere for one week. We were not prepared for that. <laughs> and everyone recognized, oh my God, this is, this is big. This is big, we better, we better put the break here because, because they told me everybody, oh Vegas is a lot of business, a lot of convention. Well, you know, when somebody tells you, you don't know, but you cannot really figure out what it's going to be to the time, the time happened. And Condex, there was wake up call. They said, this can be very big. Condex, there was big. The cuts out, no. We were prepared, but not prepared to produce this amount, the numbers for one week. Yeah. For one week. Las Vegas did not have a fine dining reputation when you came here. Was there a learning curve, either for you to get used to the Las Vegas audience or for a Las Vegas audience to get used to you? For both. Fault, you're totally right. They were not used to this kind of restaurant. And like I said in another interview, in the beginning, the people, because we only have a menu degustation, they see the first court, they were not too big, and they already complained. Oh, it's too small, too small. To the time that we had to tell, well, you have a, and of course, the chef, if you're hungry when you finish your meal, we can prepare you more food. Right. Obviously, we can do that, and never happened. Nobody asked for more food. I mean, both that we have to, to understand the customers, and it's very important, and I respect the customer very much to understand what they like it, what they don't like it. There was for both. We had to learn both, both, both. How has um, the Las Vegas audience changed in those 25 years? Are they more sophisticated now, or? Very much, very much. I think, I think, uh, Vegas people, they know a lot about food because Vegas, we have a good restaurant. One, the, at one point I understood there was Vegas, there was in the right track. Vegas, before we opened the Bellagio, there was no, in any magazine, in any gourmet restaurant, in any gourmet news, never there was there. To the time, there was Vegas, after we opened the Bellagio, there was one of the 
10 top cities in the United States about restaurant and food. And also another thing that I noticed, when people, they wanted to open restaurant in different city, coming to Vegas to see the restaurant. And I noticed, well, we do the right thing here. Are there any dishes on the menu today that have been here since day one? Yes, we have uh, several dishes. I try to change and I tired to do that. I don't want to change ever because if I change, the people come in and ask for the dishes. I had to prepare, I had to not ready for that and they make a big, big problem. I mean, I have one dish, there's scallops with potato muslin, there's there and the quail salad. These particular items that have been there in the menu for 25 years. Finally, I got some time with the one and only Michael Mina, who's, who has been operating in the same spot near the Bellagio Conservatory. Or, or conservatory. I just can't talk today, but don't worry about it. You guys will follow along. It was originally called Aqua. It's now called Michael Mina. He's been there since day one in the same space. And we started off speaking about those early days. But listen to the end because he's going to give you some details on the new project he has coming to Mandalay Bay. They contacted me and said, would you be interested? We have one space left that we weren't sure if we were going to do it. Um, if the hotel was going to do it themselves, it's a fish restaurant. We want it to be a fish restaurant, but we'd love to entertain possibly Aqua coming to Las Vegas. And so at that point, you know, I didn't know much about Las Vegas. I had only been here once and it was for 18 hours for a bachelor <laughs> party. And, um, and I didn't really remember that. <laughs> um, and so... I said, you know, um, let me, you know, let me go to Las, you know, they said, why don't you come out and see what, what's happening? And at that point, the Bellagio was pretty much built. Um, and so you really got a good sense of what the Bellagio was all about, what it was going to be about. But I still didn't know. Um, I was worried about how am I going to get product? And then honestly, John Louis Paladin was here at that time. And there wasn't a lot of chefs here at that time. And um, I went and had an amazing meal at Napa and was, you know, I was very close with John Louis. So he had told me all about, you know, how he was getting product. And so I started that relieved the tension of that. And then next it came to Steve having to visit the restaurant, having to visit my restaurant in San Francisco and uh, which was great and really exciting. So he made, there was multiple times that, you know, there was reservations that he was coming, but you know, he's obviously he's very busy. And so, um, it, you know, probably about the sixth time that, uh, there was a possibility of him coming. He, he ended up coming to the restaurant and I'll never forget the day. As long as I live, he said he had, you know, only had 15 to 20 minutes for dinner. And so I sent out caviar parfait and he sent it back and said, I don't eat caviar. <laughs> I was oh, like, man. oh boy, I just used up 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I sent out the tuna tartare and he said, you know, that it was a really spectacular dish. And then uh, said, keep going. And he ended up staying for, you know, three hours and really walked me through every inch of Bellagio. And I think that that was right then was really the moment that I was like, I really understand how special this is going to be and um and you know honestly 25 years later it's this it's the same timeless you know design and feeling that it was 25 years ago could you have imagined 25 years ago that you would have had the history you now have in the city of Las Vegas as a whole with so many restaurants over the years? Absolutely not. I mean, I think that Bellagio obviously had so much to do with that happening. And not just, you know, I think 
I think it was brilliant bringing, a, you know, this collection of chefs and restaurants to Bellagio because it was an immediate way, I think, to change so many people's perspective about gaming and about, you know, what it means to go to Las Vegas. And I think that not only did it have an effect in Las Vegas, it had an effect on gaming worldwide, um, you know, and and what what the possible is, you know, and and you look at it now and you think about people that come to Las Vegas and don't even gamble, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that that you I don't think 25 years ago you would have thought, oh, yeah, you know, that, you know, food and beverage is going to be as big of a part of Las Vegas as it is today. How has the audience changed in those 25 years? Are they more receptive to what you do? Um, They're just more knowledgeable to the fact of, they're more knowledgeable to the fact that they have studied before they come. Like any great food city, what has happened in Las Vegas is people have a list when they get here and you want to be on that list. And so you have destination diners now that you that you would have in any San Francisco, New York, Paris, doesn't matter. Las Vegas has it for sure. One thing that Las Vegas has a reputation for in the culinary community is a bit more cooperation between chefs at at what would be competing restaurants, right? The willingness to lend a hand that you guys are so friendly in this room. I think it's that's 100% true. And it's I wouldn't even say it's cooperation. I think there's a love between everybody because I think that everybody, in all honesty, I think a lot of people would say that in your home city, the media wasn't as accepting of you going to Las Vegas 25 years ago as they are today, obviously. A lot of us went through the same type of thing where it's like, maybe didn't make sense right away. Now, obviously it does. And I think that everyone, um, the, the, I can tell you this building, it's just, you know, that this group of chefs has just been, you know, to be able to all work together Julian, John George, myself, now Wolfgang's here. I mean, it's, yes, we were all friends, but we all made a connection in getting this building open. That's kind of a lifelong connection. Um, but you are not just resting on your laurels. You've opened many restaurants yeah. over the years here in Las Vegas, and I uh-huh. know there's at least one that you're allowed to talk about right now <laughs> coming into Mandalay Bay. So could you tell me about the Greek concept? Absolutely. So it's, you know, it's um, middle turn, you know, it's basically... Mediterranean and highlighting Greece and you know Eastern Mediterranean and so it's the food I grew up on and so I grew up in a household in which my mom you know my father was Egyptian so my father was from Alexandria and my mother was from Cairo but in Alexandria a lot of the food had so much Greek influence from you know from when uh, Alexander the Great when the invasion happened and so what I grew up eating so much of it was Greek that I thought was Egyptian and Egyptian food and Middle Eastern food and and so it's really the food that I love to cook and I'm more excited about this restaurant than I've ever been about a restaurant that I've opened because it really is taking what I you know what I grew up with what I have um, taken my whole life my, the flavors that I like love and and being able to elevate them in a way in which they're presented beautifully it's going to be mostly be you know a shared experience in the sense that i think people will eat that way because that's the way people eat a lot of times but you can order individually but i think it's really going to be a a fun great vibe really like what i love it's throw a great party 
and and have amazing food and I feel like you know I have been um, just really obsessed with this menu more than I have been with any restaurant that I've opened in since probably you know the Michael Mina restaurant in, at the Westin and so wow. I'm very excited to show this one off to everyone what's the name and when's it open? <laughs> uh, don't have that quite yet. <laughs> I, I can't commit to those two quite yet, but we're real close. Okay, after that, I'm going to give myself a little break because clearly I need one. Um, Rich, what about you, man? Let's do the top of the show normally. Oh, yeah. Where have we been dining? You eaten any place good recently? Well, I was out of town for two weeks, and uh, you're tired of hearing about the Pacific Northwest and other okay. things like that. So I had a, just a couple of things to talk about. First, let me uh, talk about the echo in this room that you're probably hearing on this podcast. That's because we're in this beautiful little six seat private dining room that's all encased in glass and then in front of the glass are about 4,000 wine bottles so sound is bouncing off Did flat things them? and round things <laughs> no that's just my eyeball estimate okay all right a lot of stuff uh, I will not go crazy uh, because I did very little restaurant visiting while in Seattle and Portland and because this is a Vegas food podcast that would be Finally a good reason the memo. to yeah. stick to what's happening in Vegas when we can I did do some serious football in the PNW starting with the Oregon Washington game in Seattle uh, my food choice, just a straight-up hot dog, two parts mustard, one part ketchup. And yes, the two can live in harmony on a dog. Not what are you doing, man? I ketchup and just, mustard. That's like a McDonald's hamburger thing, yeah. but certainly not for hot dogs. Oh, well. Uh, not the best dog in the world, but all hot dogs taste better when you've got a game in front of you. And one of the most exciting games I've ever seen, even though my Oregon Ducks lost with a wide right field goal that would have tied it away. Okay, okay. All right, week later, Did I mean... Did you lose any money? No, I do not. Bet. Well, there you go. Then you're a winner, man. I, I, I stick to video poker and, and <laughs> slots. I, I found sports betting, I hated the losses far more than I enjoyed the wins. Yeah. So I don't do it anymore. Okay. Uh, I went to Eugene the next week, Ducks hosting Washington State. My sister scored a great tailgate spot just across from Watson Stadium. So we prepped breakfast tailgate for ourselves and about uh, two or three other cars. Breakfast burritos. The night before, I did up about two pounds of bacon, slow-cooked onions as if I were doing French onion soup. Combined that with sweet peppers. A small cast-iron flat top set on uh, the two... A uh, small two-burner Coleman stove, complete with a little one-quart bottle of propane. The surface, perfect for heating up the tortillas. We filled with the scrambled eggs that I did there, some taco seasoning. The end of the tortilla, eggs, crumbled bacon, the veg, the shredded cheese, uh, sour cream, guacamole, salsa. A perfect accompaniment to the real main course of the morning, which was buffalo trace and or fireball. Fireball? Oh, yeah. What the... What is wrong Fire, with you? I, it was not me. It was this a, is. I mean, this is worse than your junk food. This man. was uh, this cinnamon flavored whiskey. You decided we needed, or whatever. I did not decide. <laughs> this was courtesy of uh, what my sister uh, labeled Fireball Bill, one of the other people in in the uh, various tailgate neighborhood. The guy's got a big, uh, like a step van, like a, like an old UPS van or a thing, mm -hmm. and into the side of the van. He has installed a big screen TV, oh. and he's got a, a direct TV antenna on top. Because that's what you do top. when you're fired up on Fireball. Yeah, and then a, an awning coming off that side of the TV, and and uh, chairs and tables, and watching early games. It's a, 
It's pretty good. And look, people, if you like Fireball, drink what you like. For years yeah, and yeah, years, yeah. I was known for going into fine dining restaurants and ordering double shots of Jägermeister. <laughs> and they started carrying oh, it have, for me just for that. Yeah, no. But, um, so, you have look, no right for a shaming I'll tell you, I was, drinking, I was drinking Jägermeister before it became what it yeah. became. My friends used to go to Europe on tour with like Metallica and they oh, came yeah. back drinking that shit. And I'm talking, I was drinking Jäger in the 80s. There were no Jägermeister girls in the 80s. There were yeah. no Jägermeister giveaways. There was no college shit. It was just... I don't drink anything anymore, so what the fuck do I know? Uh, one uh, unsuccessful uh, lunch attempt down here, talking about McDonald's, I went to McDonald's on the way here because I wanted to try the mambo sauce, which is something they've been advertising. I would talk about D.C. and Maryland and all that. D mambo sauce is this unique D.C. condiment that all the little mom-and-pop Chinese places and some others have. Everybody's got their own little recipe. A couple places try to mass produce it, but mostly it's a homemade thing. It's a little ketchup. It's a little, um, uh, not cinnamon, what am I looking at? Pepper sauce. It's sweet. It's hot. It's all this stuff, and everyone is a little different. McDonald's has decided to do mambo sauce on a limited basis to see how it works. As, uh -huh. a, as a condiment for, like, dipping the nuggets and things in there. Uh -huh. McDonald's at... Uh, Flamingo and 215, you are dead to me. They did not have any mambo sauce, which I did not realize until after I had ordered uh, stuff. Otherwise, I would have come here and had something uh, much better. I don't know whether to feel sad for you right now or just... I wanted to review the mambo or... sauce, the industrial sweatshop mambo sauce. Yeah, okay. Well, right. thanks Failed. for the effort. I appreciate it. I'm glad <laughs> I think right. you've been rewarded with um, well, right. not much of a reward yet. You went to a zillion food. places last week, and you're going to tell us all about them. Yeah, I've been all over the place. Well, it's been a little while since we recorded the last podcast, so we got a little extra time. But the day after we, record, we recorded that last episode, which, of course, was at the Vegas Unstripped Festival, I had we were must be in a football state of mind today, Rich, because you were talking yeah. football. I had a great day at Allegiant Stadium where I watched the Raiders beat the Patriots. Um, first, thanks to my friends at Cox Media for the great seats, and also to Natalia at the Wind Field Club for letting me scope out that setting right in the end zone, man. I really had a blast. You could see me exploring the... the Field Club, some of the restaurants, actually walking over there, going to places in Mandalay Bay beforehand and after all that. You can see that on my personal social media feeds and on the Neon Feast social media feeds. Um, but I, I'll tell you now, I dined at Pizza Rock, which is fantastic in the stadium. I dined at Barbecue Mexicana, which was fantastic in the stadium. Um, I went to Rira and Flanker before my walk over there. Rira, by the way, it's a great place to I, go watch sports because yeah. it's not just football they're showing. They're showing like sure. rugby yeah. and football and Proper soccer football. and yeah. absolutely everything. So um, anyway, you could see all that in my video. Also, the field club, man. So this, this was great because, yeah. you know, Natalia, who... Um, who is one of the owners of Big B's, Texas Barbecue. She works for the, with the Win Encore Nightlife Group, and she's a VIP host. So she uh, hosts tables at this yeah. field club. So you go in, and I could not figure out how the hell to get to the field club from my seats. And I had great seats, by the way, like 45-yard line, like 10 rows off the field, nice. 12 rows off the field. So they were great. No reason to leave them at all. But I wanted to see the field club. Nobody could figure out how to get there from within yeah. the stadium. So you go outside and you go back in through a separate entrance. You go down an escalator. Um, you, they check you in at the desk. We met Natalia there. Then they walk you through an area that really does look like a nightclub. Huge booths, all of this indoors. Yeah. Uh, sign for the DJ that's going to be playing during halftime is up, right? Like all that shit. Um, Natalia grabbed us. She took us up front. The ta tables in the back indoors are sort of general admission for everybody in there, you know, kind of common seating, I believe. Um, 
up front, if you want like the first row, I think it could be oh, between yeah. ten and twelve and fifteen thousand dollars is a minimum spend. You want the second Each. row table? No, it's for the table. Oh, for so the you table. Get okay. A dozen guys. Basically, in bottle there. service kind it's of price. Bottle service pricing. Yeah. Um, and then they go back as you go. You know, second row of tables, third row of tables. The front three rows, though, are in front of all the tables are general admission, and Ooh. this may be like one of the best kept secrets. If you don't mind standing during a football game, I was told that for the GA tickets in the field club, you could do that for spend, depending on how popular the game is, between $500 and $750. So even if you say up to $1,000, let's say it's a crazy popular yeah. game, but I was told five to $750, um, you're standing right on the field. You can high-five the players yeah. from these seats. Like, it's unreal. I've... I've tried to buy tickets to, to take my dad to a game at Allegiant Stadium. It's like five or six hundred bucks up in the nosebleeds. Yep. You know, so fuck that, man. Win Field Club definitely seems like a, a way to go. Talk to your Win staff about that. But that that was absolutely a blast, man. And um, in case you didn't know, I, I can tell you, the uh, Allegiant Stadium and the Raiders, on average, the most expensive tickets in the National Football League. Well, there you go. Well, it yeah. makes sense because everybody wants to come here and watch their team. Yeah. So it's cool. So that was my day. Thanks to everybody for giving me a great day at a Raiders game. I also need to thank Sam Marvin and the folks at the James Beard Foundation for inviting me to their great Friends of James Beard dinner at Echo and Riggs Henderson location in the district. That was amazing. And you can find photos of that online. The next night, Sue and I um, were headed to Teton Mobile Arena for our first Knights game of the season. I'm starting to sound like a crazy sports fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we had some time to kill before the Knights game, so we went over to see what the bar seating was like at Bavette's. It turned out that both of their bars were full, um, the, for the main bar in the center and also that back kind of speakeasy bar. Although I did see the great cloud that Toheek pre-gaming with his son in the back bar. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, if you don't know cloud, cloud is... Um, he, well, we know him here in Las Vegas uh, from running Robichon and earning it three Michelin stars. But he also has great multi-story restaurant out in San Francisco right now, including a Michelin starred restaurant on the top floor. And I'm dying to get out there. So I'd like to see that both Cloud and I and his, his son and my wife all had the same idea, which was go to Bavette's before the Golden Knights game. Um, it was all packed. I thought I was going to have to leave, but I saw somebody I knew, a manager, offered me a table in the main dining room, kind of in the back, not the greatest table, but I didn't give a shit. I was happy to be seated. And I had what, man, I want this to be just my signature pregame meal from now on. The, um, the terrine of goat cheese and duck that they serve at Bonnets. I fucking love that dish. And damn, did it hit the spot. Also did their um, steakhouse-style burger, which was good. They did an ice cream sundae for dessert. Sue was there kind of celebrating something and um they, they brought that out to to treat her so that was very nice um next day finally got over to the boulevard eats food truck in the parking lot of the nirvana motel across the street from mandalay bay i have been waiting to try this since brock radke wrote about it in the weekly over the summer so i ordered a double chipotle cheeseburger and a falafel pita i gotta say both of them were good certainly worth it if you're in that area and you want something fast not necessarily worth a special trip to that area for it, but um, you know, Ziggy's got daycare over in that neighborhood, so um, I may be stopping <laughs> by in there. But was particularly um, enjoyed the falafel that I had. Um, next up, the team at Ferrari Trento um, Sparkling Wine. They threw a party at Lavo in the Venetian to celebrate being the official bubbly of F1. So that was my first F1 party of the year, of ever, really. Um, it was nice being back in Lavo, I have to say, which, of course, that's the Tau Group's Italian restaurant inside um, the Palazzo. 
I haven't been there in, God, a couple of years. So it was nice to see things are going well. The food is still delicious. Bravo. Thank you, everybody over there. Followed that up with a meal at Anima by EDO, which is unquestionably, man, one of my favorite restaurants in Las Vegas at this moment in time. Oysters were great. The bikini sandwich was great. Um, the hamachi and foie gras with apple slaw smoked under glass, man, fucking exceptional. Just so loved that. And um, the bite of that smoke and the way that the earthiness of the foie go against the, um, the, the, the sea seafood of the hamachi with that smoke kind of permeating everything just really fucking good same thing for our go-to dish which is um they're just distinctly deconstructed avant-garde take on eggplant parm a few new preparations on the menu a new version of the raw scallop which incorporated coconut milk and fresh coconut meat and caviar that reminded me of a dish that um chef had done at at a tasting menu he'd done it about a month or two earlier for a sake pairing and it was really really good i love the way that that coconut meat worked with the um the seafood and the raw fish uh also new for me at least was their um their mizuna parpadele which had shrimp in a basic alio olio preparation then with a crispy poached egg um, the pasta itself was a green, I think, spinach pasta. Just really outstanding, man. I mean, this crispy egg that's just like deep oh. fried on the outside, but you cut into it and it just runs all over this pasta. Just oh, so fucking good. Anima by EDO, of course, is a finalist for James Beard Award, and they deserve it. In my opinion, I would have loved to have seen him win, but I didn't need it all the other places, so I'm biased. Uh, another Golden Knights game, but I didn't have tickets to this one, so I went to Distill on Charleston, did some of their buffalo cauliflower, burger and a Guinness glaze that was really good, topped with um, candied bacon and crispy fried red peppers, and a Greek plate with chicken skewers and hummus salad. And then I think finally for me this week, I visited the brand new Three Little Chicks on Buffalo and Sunset, not really far from where we are right now. Um, this is from the team behind Cafe Lola and also St. Honory Donuts. And they're, they're great people. Yeah. I love everything that they do. Cafe Lola is a little, you know, bachelorette party for my personal taste. I don't always want pink flowers <laughs> with my brunch, but um, it's a cool <laughs> restaurant. I send a lot of people there. And this is a great um, quick casual restaurant. Not super quick because everything's made to order, but it's basically chicken sandwiches, chicken tenders. You get them fried. You can get them. Uh, grilled. If you get them fried, it's actually a gluten-free batter that they use. And I don't think they have gluten-free buns yet, but you may want to ask about that. Did some great um, vegan desserts, a vegan soft serve. So congrats to them on the opening, man. It's, um, again, Three Little Chicks. It's on Buffalo and Sunset. So make sure to check that out. Coming up in the news, jobs at Honey Salt. Big addition for the parent company of Sparrow and Wolf. Next, we talk to our host for the day, Brent Stanford. And new hockey fan, well not new anymore, Al Mancini will tell us what that logo is on Brent's hat. This is Food and Loathing. I will not. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, 
as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. You want more Al Mancini? You can hear me all week long on all of the Highway Drive and Vegas Vibe radio stations delivering the Neon Feast foodie updates. Also, keep your eyes open for my appearances on Wake Up With The CW and my videos on the at Vegas social media channels. And you can find some of my writings at visitlasvegas.com. And Chef Brent has joined us, and he did not show up empty-handed. This is why it's always fun to record yeah, on vacation, yeah, yeah. right, Rich? Oh, there's a Caesar salad over here. Yeah, do, am I correct on that? You are correct. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. and you totally got the pasta wrong, so we're going to let yeah. Chef tell us. First of all, Chef, how are you, man? Thanks for having us here Very today. good. Thank you for having me. It's very Appreciate cool. It. Rich is obsessed with the hat that you're wearing, so you got to mm. tell me what that is. Well, I mean, he said it was a hockey hat, which uh-huh. it is. Um, Old dead hockey hat. Yeah, yeah. This is from back in the day. I think their last year was 96. Uh, I moved to Connecticut. Who's it for? It's for the Hartford Whalers. Okay. Now oh, known as okay. the Carolina Panthers, I believe. Yeah, no, okay. Carolina Hurricane. 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 Yep. Uh, so I moved there in 97. So I really never even got to see them live. <laughs> but the fact that I was in Connecticut for so long, uh, in upwards of 15 years, I, you know, I like to represent. So... Uh, here it is. Not a lot of people know, and the yeah. ones that do, do. It's kind of like a whale tail yeah. logo. That's yeah. the whale. It's basically like a thong. Yeah. It's yeah. basically a thong logo. That, it's a thong. <laughs> Get a tramp stamp on that, man. There you and, go. Uh, we'll be good to go. Yeah. Oh, they used to play sea shanties and things like that. That's well, true. Yeah. So there goes some of my background questions, like you know the typical "Where are you from?" kind of yeah. shit. So we just we established some Connecticut roots. Um, obviously, people here in Las Vegas know you most recently from um, Brezza on the Strip and from Honey Salt, correct? That's where I was when I first uh, moved out here from uh, California. Actually, yeah. Okay. Well, any other places that I missed that you've been that you've cooked recently here locally? I should say. Um, I've dabbled in a little bit of a in pizza places at uh, those guys pie. Um, oh man, fucking Re- best rebellion. steak in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, they do some not great bad stuff. pizza either. But um, and also Rebellion up in uh, uh, Anthem. Love those guys. Love yeah. Them. So uh, you know, I was uh, curious as to. Um, how pizza places actually work. Um, I'm, I'm a chef by trade, but I love doing pizza, and I knew that I was going to eventually uh, be doing it on my own. So I wanted to kind of see how, the, how it flows inside of a pizza restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are great. Showed me a lot. Cool, cool. And then you got, of course, decided to open Amare over here. And Amare in Uncommons. What made you decide? I mean, obviously, you've been in the Burbs before. So it's not a big move for you to go out into the Burbs. But to leave the Strip and come out here in the Southwest, I would think it would have to be something pretty special, which this restaurant is, as I can attest. absolutely. I've eaten here a few times. Um, But what was it about this project that attracted you? Uh, Well, uh, Jason who's the brainchild behind all of this, uh, Amari. Jason Rochelot. Yes. Uh, we knew each other from back in Connecticut, so he lived there as well. Um, 
And when he told me what we were doing out here, or what he was doing out here, um, and um, I will say that it's, it's about three miles away from my house. Um, so, <laughs> so we're neighbors. <laughs> so we're neighbors, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just loved everything about it. He, he gave me a, um, an idea of what we were looking at as far as food and theme and all that. And we both came up from a place in West Hartford, Connecticut called uh, Brico's. And uh, he's like, we're, this is one of the places that we're, that we're trying to emulate, I guess, or, or it's uh, a, oh refer- a reference point. Yeah. Right. And uh, we both know I, I spent uh, over five years with that chef uh, at Brico's in another restaurant. Um, so I knew exactly what he was talking about. So it's kind of easy to, to understand and comprehend what he wanted to do. So for those of us who don't know Brico's, how would you describe that concept? 100% American Italian uh, food. That's, it's, a, it's a staple in Connecticut. If you've lived in Connecticut or even anywhere around, you've heard of Brico's. So people who haven't visited on commons sometimes get it a little confused, right? You'll hear people talking and confusing the Uncommons and the sundry, which is right next door. But I just want to make this clear to everybody. Uncommons is a much larger development, has a lot going on here. There's, there's apartments in here. There's offices in here. Draft Kings have their offices <laughs> in right. this huge thing. So yes, there's a food hall and it's not very far. And I think you guys seem to have pretty good relations with those people. But what you have here just right literally a one minute walk from that food hall is a sit down standalone Italian restaurant. I don't want to call it fine dining, but it is a refined upscale, mature, you know, cloth napkins, um, serious restaurant. Hey, this is damn fine stuff we have. So yeah. I'm okay with fine dining. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And, and well, no, but I also feel very comfortable coming in jeans and t-shirt. Absolutely. So, um, you know, so I don't want to scare people away, but this, this is an elevated restaurant that you decided to create. Um, so just let's get that out of the way to begin with. It's, we're not talking no food hall no. here. We're talking about sitting down. You're also a market, right? Yeah. We have a little, um, a little market in the front. Uh, we sell our focaccia. We sell uh, sauces, pasta. Um, we can sell wines to go. We can sell uh, liquor to go. Amaros, which are some are are pretty hard to find. Um, tiramisu's. Um, I, I I could go on. There's quite a bit up there. Is cool. this sauce on this pasta we have here for sale? I mean, mm-hmm. everything has a price. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I see. Yes. But there's not a jar of it there's sitting not up a there jar, right no, now. No, we yeah. will have some uh, vodka sauce. I up saw there. that, yeah. Yeah. So um, Marinara and a bolognese. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. All of it. Um, so it'll be a nice selection, especially for all these people that are moving into these apartments around here. Now, Rich, could you pass me some of that focaccia? Because you just right. mentioned the focaccia. And I very dip light it area. It looks very like. good pasta. You, you have a spicy pasta here with um, lobster in it. And what, what are we eating here? So this is, uh, it's, it's a spicy lobster um, pasta with uh, tomato tagliatelle. Um, obviously tomatoes, uh, half roasted Campari tomatoes, some, a uh, little bit of cream or panna, um, a little bit of, uh, Reggiano and basil. Wow. And it sounds like a very summery thing, but it's a very, uh, hearty wintry thing as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's great for dipping this fucking bread. And it's, <laughs> and that, yeah. So focaccia, at least the first time I came in here, came in, just popped in on now, sat down for lunch. Everybody said, we have to have you send out some bread, right? Sending out bread was the... Okay, and once I tried it, I said, now I know why, right? Because you make fantastic bread here. Um, Is that a 
a key selling point of this restaurant and, you know, just order the bread sort of kind of deal? I mean, we go through a ton of it and it's really, um, from the get-go, it's caught on. Um, we, we sell it in the beginning um, to the customer and once they get it, they, uh, I will say quite a few fall in love with it. It's, uh, we spend a lot of time um, um, working on the recipe, getting it just right with the, um, going, going from all the R&D I did at my house to here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, we, I think we do something a little different from other places. This is not a traditional focaccia with all that light airiness and the big holes in the middle of the, of the, the meat of the bread. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> um, no. But focaccia works here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is made with a sourdough starter. Um, the sourdough starter I got from uh, back east in Vermont um, years ago. It's, a, it's probably 25 or 26 years old now. Um, and it, it, we, we feed it every day. We make the pizza with it. We make the focaccia with it. It's just, um, it just works really well for us. And it produces a great uh, end, end result. Um, and you mentioned pizzas are a big part of what you do here at Amari. Pizzas are a huge part, yeah. yeah. And t- tell me a bit about your pizza program, like because they're not just you know your traditional pizzas. You've got some interesting stuff. Yeah. On there. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are they're like, well, well, what do you consider your pizza? Well, I don't really know. It's mm-hmm. kind of uh, my own um, my own uh, idea of what pizza, well, what I like to eat, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's got a mix of uh, the long bake like a New York-style pizza has, um, but it's got a thicker handle, like a Neapolitan. But then we have some interesting uh, fresh ingredients on top of it, like California. So it has a whole bunch of stuff going on um, to kind of make it its own. And your pastas are not the... um standard Italian-American red sauce pastas by any stretch of the imagination, man. Your pastas are... Now, I don't know whether these are traditional recipes that, you know, from Italy or if these are you being creative, but they're not things that we're used to seeing. I mean, you do the campanello with crab, tomato, fennel, creme fraiche, and pesto. Your tortellino, or tortelloni, excuse me, are truffle. Um, They come with mushrooms, um, some fontina, uh, truffle gouda walnuts. I I haven't tried that dish yet. I'm just reading it off the menu. I should have brought it It sounds crazy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and brown butter in that, parmesan. Uh, You do your rigatoni bolognese with ricotta and some nutmeg in there. Dish that I had, the the malfadina, am I pronouncing that right? Malfadina, yeah. Yeah, first of all, I love that pasta because it's like a long ribbon pasta, but you do not cut it, right? So it's like... It almost gets out of control while you're trying to eat yeah. it. Like it's almost getting away from you, like trying to run away from you. But in a, I, I don't want to, this sounds really weird, but it's just fun. You know, yeah. it's a fun dish to eat for me. At least I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And when we made it, um, typically, you know, people do about 12 inches on their long pastas and whatnot. I said, let's go 16. Let's just make it super <laughs> ridiculously long. And, uh, and that's what we did. Yeah. That's what we did. No, and I loved it. But you do have basic spaghetti and meatballs. We do. Too, which I got to come back and have for my wife because that's like her. She's the person that always orders the spaghetti right, and meatballs. Right. And we didn't do that last time we were here. So, um, and of course, you have this great private dining room in here where we are. Um, what is this used for right now? Like, are there any kind of chef's menus or is it just for private events? Yeah, it's for private events. Uh, obviously, um, it's actually where we store all of our wine. Um, so our whites are in the, uh, refrigerators we have in here. Um, and then we have a lot of reds and, and others all over to, de- yeah, as decor. 
Um, but we don't have a lot of storage space in here. So we had to be very creative as to how we did everything. Um, I think down the road, we'll do some chef's, chef's dinners and private. I mean, we, we have done private functions in here. Um, you see a lot of rooms like this, and you can just immediately tell that a lot of those bottles are just stunt wines. Mm -hmm. Tell me that that bottle at the very top on the right is going to get drunken by somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, actually, I just saw uh, our uh, our wine curator and uh, executive uh, beverage director, Miklos, uh, stocking it just the other day. So and how does he, he get up there? Because it's 20 feet up. He's a really good jumper. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, you we have seen ladders, right? right. I, I, just, I see no ladder here. That's the thing. I, I see no ladder in the facility. Yeah, I know there's one in the back. So His arms so. stretch really long. I, okay, okay. I, I can go with that. Plastic, Plastic man. man, yes. Uh, cool. So, yeah, and what is... Talk a bit about your wine program here. Because you're... The, with the name Amari, Amari, then I know we're going to talk a lot about Amaros. Yeah. The, the many that you have here. Amari being the plural of Amaro, if I remember my high school Italian at all. Um, but... First wine, what is like, what's the price point? What are the, um, the concentrations? What do you focus on in your list? So that is a great question for Miklos. Okay. No worries. No worries. <laughs> but man. I will say that, well, I mean, it's, 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 it falls in line with our food. We don't want it to be overpriced. We don't, you know, we're not trying to sell a, a cheap product either. Um, we want something that appeals to everyone, hmm. um, price point wise. Yeah. So, I mean, he's really curated a great, a uh, bunch of options uh, for any price point cool. that you're looking for. So, um, yeah, it's... And a staff that will talk people through it. Absolutely. For those of us who don't know wine for shit, but we, wanna, we, we don't want to be made to feel stupid while we're ordering. Yeah. We can, yeah. We can ask our stupid questions here. Absolutely. And then not knowingly, oh, yeah. No, I, I don't. <laughs> I find that, I, you know what? I find faking it doesn't work, man. <laughs> Just yeah. surrendering to being clueless and actually even oh. being... Acting more clueless than you really are, you'll get better information. When yeah. you try to one-up them or pretend yeah, you know what they're talking about, they just <laughs> yeah. gloss over But you like shit. to play it safe. You, you play know? it safe. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, no, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know shit about wine. This right. is what I'm in the mood for. Talk to me. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> um, but, okay, so Amari or Amaros. Um, explain to people what an Amaro is who may not have had one. It's a um, kind of an end-of-the-meal um digestive aid um i guess fernet would probably be one of the bigger ones that people know yeah um yeah. to be honest i'm bronca being the i mean i think tony shea basically turned that into the las vegas sommeliers yeah. and the las vegas bartender's favorite yeah. drink because he loved it so much during his life and also the much maligned as i was saying today jägermeister that i used oh, to drink as, as a <laughs> kid would fall into that category <clears throat> although i don't know if you sell that here <laughs> this is a, a I mean, italian calvados you know a little something that right end, right even and a lot of dessert. herbs in it normally. Yeah, and absolutely. Definitely supposed to aid in your digestion. Yeah. Although when I used to drink a bottle of Jaeger at a time, I don't know what that aided. <laughs> yeah, the all, digestion man, just came right up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So how, do you have a, obviously a large Amaro selection here as well. The biggest in uh, Las Vegas for sure. Biggest in Las Vegas. That's what they claim. Damn. I'm, I'm going with it. Well, Wait a minute. Yeah. You're they. I am not <laughs> well, yes, yes. Not necessarily my area, but yeah. they've told me about it. 
I trust them. Yeah. Why would they lie about such yeah, a right. thing? I mean, what, what do you get? what's to be gained from that lie? I believe you. I believe you wholeheartedly. Um, I guess any other, what, what would you say signature dishes here when you come in? Because that was a little strange. First time I came in, I didn't try the, it actually, I've been here twice. I haven't tried the pizza yet. And I kind of feel like Jason's always looking at me like, when are you going to try the pizza, man? Like, you know, if you come in, you don't try the pizza. I didn't do it right. So what do you need to try when you come in here? I would say that the Caesar salad is, in my opinion, the quintessential Caesar salad. There's nothing special going on. It's all the usual suspects, yeah. the anchovy, the um, Parmesan, the mustard, the red wine vinegar, the... Mm. Um, Just done perfectly. The, the raw egg yolk, mm-hmm. um, everything. Um, but we, I think we've zeroed in on just a really good uh, dressing for it. Um, I and agree. we just have the 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 yeah. uh, toasted breadcrumbs, the anchovy breadcrumbs, and some more of the twenty four month Parmesan cheese on top. I like the breadcrumbs being just minuscule things sprinkled on, as opposed to a Instead couple of, a of big crouton. cubes yeah. that I yeah. try to break up and they go flying. And sometimes and those big cubes have been sitting around a while, and they yeah, you break your break tooth your on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've exactly. had that happen. That's why I don't eat salad. It's too yeah, <laughs> it is. It's oh, good. More for me. But I can eat this okay. one. Now, this is good. I'm eating it with my fingers. That's how good it is over here. So um, I'm wiping my hands on my pants. I'm a mess. But um, cool. So so what other signature? So we talked about signature dishes. Sorry. Um, I guess. uh, No, I I think we've hit everything. What about um, the the, you know, you don't do like live music. You don't do a DJ in here, right? This is more just come in, relax. But but in the quad right here of Uncommons, they do have live music from time to time and over there for for, you know, on the weekends, um, they do little, little uh, flea markets out there. Um, there's a lot going on. So um, inside of here, no. Outside, it's a whole other world. Right, right. So, <laughs> and you are open for lunch. We are open for lunch. Which, We're open every day uh, for lunch and dinner, except for Sundays at this point. Uh, we will be opening uh, next month uh, for, for all seven days. Cool. You can do any kind of Sunday supper. Like, uh, oh, we've talked about a lot of things. Yeah. Well, we haven't dialed it in yet, but we have a lot of uh, a Sunday good idea. gravy kind Sunday of Sunday gravy. Oh, gravy. yeah. Come on. Okay. You got to have it. Uh, so With that bread. I mean, I mean you know, come on. You, it's a no-brainer, yeah. And to sell in tubs so I can take And to home. sell in the tubs, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Well, Chef, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's great here. Thank great. you for this food. Absolutely. Rich, you approve of the food? I approve of the food. I'm going to get something to go and have it tonight. Thank you very much. I'm, hopefully you didn't fill up too much on McDonald's that you won't be able to enjoy this. <laughs> no yeah. mambo sauce. What can I do? Now, nah, the way Rich is eating, <laughs> we're going to let Rich do a little more eating. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing or reach out directly. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out anytime at wishboneandvine.com. And one more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas. And my site, wishboneandvine.com. And those teletypes are fired up, which means it is news time. You're starting because I'm still eating shit. Yeah, don't worry about that. Don't eat eat with your mouth full. You'll be good, Rich. Don't worry about it. Um, I recently sat down with Chef. Jeez, why can't I say Chef today, Rich? That's sort of a bedrock uh, word of the whole podcast, isn't it? Yeah, four-letter word. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Chef Justin Kalaluhi. 
the executive yeah. chef from Zook Group, for a long-form interview that I'm going to be sharing with you in the coming weeks. But for now, I wanted to share a short bit of that interview, talking about a new experience they're introducing on their patio at Fuhu in Resorts World. That's their Pan-Asian restaurant. Um, this is called Patio as a Vibe. And it takes place every Saturday night starting at 9 o'clock. Here is Chef Justin sharing some more details. We just did a grand opening for this past weekend for uh, Patio as a Vibe. So we have two menus out there. One's a set dinner menu for $65 as well as our 888 menu. So everything on there is $8.88. Come in and pregame before heading to Zook Nightclub. If you're looking for something to do this weekend for Halloween, you may want to check out the Masquerade Party this Saturday night at Circa's Legacy Club. The resort's director of beverage, Sam Pulliam, told me a bit about that. Saturday, October 28th, from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., uh, we're doing kind of an upscale spooky Halloween party. Festive cocktails, open bar, live music. Everyone gets a complimentary mask when they enter, um, and we'll have some nice hors d'oeuvres pass around as well. Tickets for that are 150 bucks, but if you use the discount code NEONFEAST15, no spaces in there, N-E-O-N-F-E-A-S-T-1-5, they'll knock 15 bucks off of that price. Wow. Cool. Peter Luger has opened its doors a little earlier than expected at Caesars Palace. Grand opening is still set for November 10th, but uh, you go in there for the soft opening, and uh, I've seen pictures already. It looks pretty darn authentic to the uh, the Brooklyn place with that porterhouse all sliced up. Cool. Chef Carla Pellegrino is leaving Lemoncello on West Sahara. I'm glad I got over there when she first got oh, there. She was that there. was awesome stuff there. Uh, the top chef veteran and former Rouse chef sent out a statement that said, effective Saturday, October 28th, I will no longer be a partner in Chef and Lemoncello. Giuseppe and Jenny Bavarisi have created something truly special with Lemoncello, and I enjoyed collaborating with them over much of the past year. I appreciate their partnership. It's brought me great joy to bring back some of my favorite dishes from Britalian. I also enjoyed having this time to reconnect with old friends. The words of... Carla Pellegrino. Yeah, and I'm told that as soon as that contract ends on um, the 18th, or yeah. 28th, excuse me, which yeah. is a couple days from now, that um, she may be willing to come on and chat with us a little bit. Ah, okay. So yeah, we'll that would be great. Honey Salt, Fort Apache in Charleston, is hiring. Looking for a line cook, a pastry cook, a general manager, host, a busser. If you are interested, send your resume to manager at honeysalt.com. It's Friday as you hear this, and it is time for the Golden Kitiki to kick off its Halloween festivities, including activations all month long and into November for Day of the Dead. Mm. Specialty drinks. One of them is uh, stapled, and I can't read it. Let me pull the staple. Yeah, there you go. The Vampiro, the Zombie, the Suffering Bastard, the Bloodbath, the No Brainer. Get more information at thegoldentiki.com, and yes, Reservations are recommended. Yeah, Here's and speaking of Day of the Dead, uh, that's near the here, of course, and Chino Poblano has rolled out its annual Dia de los Muertos yeah, menu, yeah. which is available now through November 5th. I spoke with Chef Carlos Cruz Santos about that. So Dia de los Muertos, we're doing just a little bit of uh, some specials. Uh, we've got the uh, pescajo la paria, which is a uh, grilled fish. Uh, it's, a, it's a blue cobia fish uh, from the Gulf of Mexico, very juicy, tender fish. Uh, a little bit smoky with brushed with um, al pastor seasoning and then a little bit of uh, corn puree. Also uh, a dish called crossing the bridge which is a Chinese dish on the day of the dead menu that's um, of course we're honoring uh, Chinese uh, 
a Chinese chef that passed away last year, and we're doing a dish just for her. Uh, then we're doing pato con mole, which is a traditional uh, duck leg with uh, uh, red mole sauce. A very traditional, easy dish for, for Dia de los Muertos. Uh, the pizza dessert is a flan de calabaza, so it's uh, a flan uh, mixed in with uh, fresh uh, pumpkin, uh, and then uh, served with Maria's cookies ice cream. A couple of uh, cocktails along the way is the, at the altar, which is uh, the Holio mm-hmm. Reposado tequila uh, infused with Aperol and creme de cacao. Um, and then the other featured cocktail is Campuchili's Lover. Campasuchil's uh, Lover, sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, uh, Marigold infused sombra, uh, mezcal, and a little bit of uh, chocolate uh, and lemon or jack. Um, pretty simple, basic, uh, pretty simple specials that we're doing, but uh, they're, we're going to be running it from October 24th to the November 5th. Uh, a couple other things for the show. News-wise, my article on football is finally posted, by Whoa. the way. All this talk I've been doing about how to eat before the game, where to eat after the game, where to eat at the game, all that shit. My friends at the <laughs> LVCVA, that's the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, they have posted that article over at visitlasvegas.com. So you guys have all heard everything, Man. but I still send you over there to check it out. It is up now, along with one of the videos I shot with their great social media team. And also, check out C. CNN Travel. There's an article up there, just one up today as we record this by Matt Villano. Um, he's a good friend of the show. He's also a contributor to Neon Feast, a freelance journalist who covers Las Vegas a lot. And he called me to ask what I thought about Fountain Blue coming. So you could hear a couple little bits of my um, our conversation. You could read those in there. And by the way, the, the short version is I love it when new operators come into Las Vegas and yeah. want to work with, with chefs who aren't already entrenched in this town. I think it's going to be fantastic. It, Matt and I talked about some of my favorites. It didn't make it into the article, but um, yeah. we'll talk about more of that when it opens. And now, best for last, our long Taco Tuesdays nightmare is over. A New Jersey-based restaurant has relinquished its trademark of that phrase in the Garden State. Earlier this year, the Wyoming-based Taco John's let go of its hold on the phrase for the rest of the country. Taco Bell led that charge, saying Taco Tuesdays should belong to all who make, sell, eat, and celebrate tacos. And uh, I believe they promised they're not going to go grab the trademark themselves. It is in the public domain. And Taco John's files a lawsuit and gets more free publicity than one could ever imagine from just oh. filing well, a lawsuit. They were lawsuit. the defendant. Taco Bell filed the lawsuit. Taco Bell actually sued them? Yeah. Sure. Wanted, yeah, because Taco John's had the uh, the trademark for the last you know couple decades. Yeah. Well, uh, guess but that now they, they gave Bell it all up. Everybody well. can Taco Tuesday, even if it's Wednesday or Friday or... <laughs> You know, it's interesting. There's a celebration going on. I don't have the details in front of me, but hopefully I'll be there. Payments is going to celebrate the fact that they actually have the trademark for Hookah Lounge. And like this was years and years and years and years ago when he wanted to introduce that and he created the the first hookah lounge ever to apply. And, you know, look, I he and I have spoken. I've I smoked hookahs on on, um, East Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, you know, decades ago. We're not claiming he invented the hookah, but the idea of calling it a hookah lounge and making it kind of a cool hangout. So um, I don't know. (laughs) I thought I'd throw that one out there and I'll hopefully have for all your litigation needs. Al Mancini. Um, I think that is about it for the show. 
thank you to our hosts here at Amari in Uncommons, and thanks to all of our guests this week, Julian Serrano, Jean-George Vongerich, and Michael Mina, Carlos Cruz Santos, Justin Kalalui, and Sam Pulliam. If anybody else I forgot, my apologies. For Rich Johnson and the absent, but coming back soon, Samantha Gemini Stevens, I am Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.